find other great podcasts like this one at podmoth.network. Welcome to Bad Axe Podcast. I'm your host, Danielle Blinka. And I'm your co-host, Aaron. Bad Axe is brought to you by the Podmoth Media Network. Check out Podmoth for more great podcasts. You can support the show and get over a year's worth of bonus episodes over at patreon.com backslash badaxepod. There's a link in our show notes and membership start at just $1. You can also support the show for free by leaving us a positive review and telling a friend about us. Now, on to today's case. Today's case is our 100th episode. Yay! Yay! Woot, woot. Woot. We are officially at 100 episodes. We are super jazzed up. We meant to do some kind of party or something, and we've just been too busy to do that. So, we're just here with you today with a regular awesome case, talking to you about some crimes, but knowing in our hearts that this is our 100th case. Absolutely. Today, we are staying right here in Houston, Texas. And our case takes place in April 2016. We're going to be focusing on a single neighborhood in Houston, and that neighborhood is Midtown. Hey. Yeah. Midtown is located right next to the neighborhood we live in now, which is Montrose, butts up against it. And it's also adjacent to downtown, uh, these are three of the most central neighborhoods in Houston. Yeah, I used to live in Midtown. I know. I actually have that in the script oh, that you? I have written for myself. We don't <laughs> have like a full script. I just have notes. But yes, Aaron lived in Midtown. What years did you live there, Aaron? Uh, 2015 until... 29... No, 2018, right? Yeah, until 2018. Damn, was it that long? It was a while. We He was living in Midtown when we got together. Yeah. And we used to do a lot of fun stuff. Midtown is a really cool neighborhood. Around 10,000 people live just in Midtown. There are many apartments and condos that are located in high-rise buildings. There's also some townhouses. We actually almost bought a townhouse in Midtown. <laughs> yeah, because I am really keyed up about Montrose because it's really artsy and it's super gay. Like, just being real, like, that's what Montrose was originally known for. And I am, you know, bisexual and, like also use they them pronouns as an alternative so like i kind of and i also make art and i do theater so i'm like woohoo we feel at home here yes we're very rainbow up in the house over here and so we live in montrose but we we do like midtown as well especially since aaron was used to living there and so we almost bought a townhouse over there but it's known for its vibrant nightlife because in midtown it's basically just bars and nightclubs and restaurants just squeezed in between these like apartments and condos essentially is what most of midtown is and because of this it's a really popular area with millennials and gen z especially college students who can afford the high rents i don't know how they do it i guess like sometimes people help them or maybe they're like really good at doing restaurant jobs because you can make bank at the right restaurant in houston that is true so maybe that's how they do it like if you work at the restaurant that's next to your condo you could just kind of like 
walk over there and then like make a bunch of money. Yep. Yep. Ironically, Aaron, you actually lived in Midtown at the time of our crime, which was April 2016. And you were literally two streets over from where this happened at about the same cross street. So if there, it wasn't for the fact that the rail crosses right there and there's not actually like a, a crosswalk at the exact cross street, you literally were right here when this crime happened. Oh my God. Like literally like two, essentially two blocks away. That's insane. I know. And like it was 11 something at night. So I'm pretty sure you were home. Yeah, probably. And so Aaron probably heard, you could have heard these gunshots. Dang. I know. Isn't that crazy? That is totally crazy. It's so crazy. So wow. I should probably tell you what happens before I, before, before yeah, before I tell you, <laughs> you could have heard it. But you totally could have heard it. So this really hits close to home. Before we move on to the actual crime, I just also need to mention, because this is actually relevant, that Midtown used to be part of a neighborhood called Fourth Ward, which still exists, but it's shrunk a lot because gentrification moved into the area around the 1990s to early 2000s. And the revitalized areas of Fourth Ward were all renamed Midtown. And most people that live there now don't even really know about the history of the area because it's not advertised. Like, there are signs when you cross into the park that's still Fourth Ward. And there's more, there are some nice houses there, but there's also some run-down houses there as well. Yeah. I, that's how I know about Fourth Ward. I used to go walk a lot, and so I'd yes. walk through that area. We have cool. we have walked through Fourth Ward together. Oh yeah, because we used to do Midtown like all the time, and we would get really drunk and then have to like just walk around. Yeah. Um, although when you lived over there, I mean, it was easier to just walk back to your your your. Uh, I think this is not a condo; it was more of a giant apartment, but but still. So we definitely know about Fourth Ward, but a lot of people don't know that that's part of the gentrification. But I actually wrote an article for one of the news sites I used to work for about Houston's wards. And that's how I found out about it. And I was like, oh, well, mm-hmm. like, that's crazy. Anyway, back in April 2016, 34-year-old Shantae Thompson reportedly lived in the Midtown area of Houston. According to people who knew her, Shantae had only recently started living her life as a woman after years of wanting to transition. Yes, Shantae was a transgender woman. She had a lot of friends who supported her transition, and her family loved her very much, though they were still struggling with her name and pronouns. Uh, One thing that's interesting is that it seems that Shantae maybe had a chosen family because her mother is named as Leola in the papers, and Leola does at times use the wrong pronouns when referring to her. But also talked a lot about how Shantae faced bullying for her identity and that this was a big stressor for both Shantae and her mother, who were very close. And there was a lot of love here. And she also said that Shantae did everything to help her because there was so much love between them. But in the obituary for Shantae, which is under her dead name, because of course it is, that's going to be a a factor of this case, by the way. It's another mother is listed and that person is deceased. So I'm not sure if Leola was her chosen mother or maybe like a stepmother or something, some other kind of situation. But regardless, she did have this close knit family uh, that of chosen people, at least that were there for her. That's now, awesome. Yeah, that is awesome, especially because she definitely had some people in her life that weren't exactly handling the transition very well because of the fact that she was buried and you know, her obituaries under her dead name. Yeah. One of the people who supported Shantae was her 33-year-old friend, Willie Sims. The pair had just met, and some people say that they may have been romantically interested in each other. 
These two were hanging out, though, and they were having a good time together. Willie seems like he was a really warm-hearted, nice guy. And Shantae was just branching out and really becoming her true self in her 30s. And so things were really seeming to kind of go well for the pair. On April 10th, 2016, Shantae and Willie went out for a night on the town. That night, Shantae and Willie had plans to do Midtown. From what I could read about Shantae and Willie, there's not as much information about their personal lives as I would have liked. But it sounds like Shantae actually lived in that Midtown area, like on the kind of on the outskirts of Midtown. So I think that's partly why they were out walking the neighborhood that night. As they were walking the neighborhood, they found themselves in one of the underdeveloped parts of Midtown. As I told you before, the area is mostly gentrified, but there are some parts on the edges that are a little more wild, like some of the buildings are a little more run down, and it's more like there's more grassy and undeveloped areas. And this is one of the parts that they were walking around. And part of the reason why it's like that is that it's located along the light rail tracks that run through Midtown. Are that they basically run along Main Street and they go all the way to downtown Houston. And our light rail system is pretty uh, consistent. If you know anything about our transit system, everywhere in Texas, we are a little bit of a struggler because there's such a heavy emphasis on the oil industry and motor vehicles. But here in Houston, we do have some pretty decent transit considering, like com- not compared to places like New York or Boston, but compared to other cities in the South, we have pretty good transit. And our light rail system is probably the most consistent in in being on schedule and getting people places quickly. And so they were near the light rail tracks that are over there in Midtown. Along the rail tracks, they encountered a familiar face, but not exactly a friendly one. 32-year-old Tariq Lackings came to Midtown that night with some friends. Lackings lived in Galena Park, which is a small city on the eastern side of Houston Metropolitan. But that area is actually not really part of the city. It's like kind of referred to as a neighborhood, but it's actually a whole city. And it's more industrial than suburban. It still has like a lot of tree-lined neighborhoods, but it's more of like a working area. Lackings allegedly dealt cocaine in the Galena Park area as a means of employment. According to witnesses, Shantae and Tariq Lackings had already met when they crossed paths in Midtown. In fact, their encounter wasn't exactly an accident because these two had some sort of feud going on. And the bad blood led to a confrontation that night on the street. Now, this has allegedly been orchestrated by Tariq. Supposedly, he actually brought some of his friends with him with the intention of confronting Shantae. And this theory is based on the fact that when police later looked into this case, they found text messages between Tariq Lackings and some of his friends planning to go confront Shantae and basically stating that they were going to like bring weapons and stuff and that they were speaking very aggressively about like wanting to cut people and stuff like that. That's so terrible. Yeah, it really is. Now, I want to note here because it's kind of it's kind of crazy to me that this conference, this whole like bad blood issue that they were having all stemmed from one of two things. There's been two versions given and they're both ridiculous. One of them is that they had some sort of dispute at a fast food location. That is weird. Yeah. So I'm not really sure what could happen at a fast food location that would make you want to confront someone with a weapon, but apparently that's the situation 
But the other excuse that was given was that Shantae had some sort of, like, man fight with another transgender woman who was in Lackings' friend group. So, because they were both went after the same man, this was like the entire friend group had to go confront her. Wow. Yeah. So, it's unclear which of those was the actual reason for this whole beef between them, but that was what's been told in, you know, in response to this case. Yeah. Now, they decided that they were going to confront Shantae at the corner of Fannin and Dennis Streets in Midtown. And just before the confrontation, Shantae had actually been on the phone with her mother, Leola, and she said... I'll call you right back. I'll call you right back, unquote. But that call never came. Because Lackings and seven of his friends confronted Shantae and Willie on the street corner at around 11.15 that night. Most of them held some form of weapon in their hands. The group closed in around the pair and attacked. Witnesses said later that someone initially tried to shoot Shantae, but Willie Sims pulled her out of the way trying to save her life. And in that move, the bullet actually struck Willie. Oh. But it wasn't a fatal shot. At that point, though, the group launched a full-scale attack where they just essentially converged on them and started beating them. The first few strikes we know came from a crowbar or tire iron. Oh. And as the group attacked, they also stabbed them. And it was a very vicious beating because even though Shantae and Willie tried to get away and they tried to help each other... Their efforts were in vain because the group had pinned them against a car as they assaulted him. Holy shit. So it was basically impossible to get away because you have to remember we're like talking about a group of eight people surrounding two and there's also a car right there. So essentially they had nowhere to get to. Yeah, that's terrible. During the beating, Lackings finally pulled out his gun again and this time he shot Shantae and killed her. Afterwards, the attackers all fled leaving Shantae and Willie bloody in the street. Witnesses had actually seen what happened because Midtown, again, is a very popular location. And even though this area wasn't as developed, it still has sidewalks and areas for people to walk. And it's right by the transit, which is very popular. So people were like hearing and seeing this. And later on, one witness said that even though there weren't a lot of gunshots at the victims, they heard a lot of shots because... Essentially, they described Lackings spraying gunshots in the air as like a threat of like, I have this gun, bang, bang, bang. Because several witnesses said that they heard a barrage of shots at one point, but later said that it wasn't when he shot the victims. Yeah. And so it sounds like that's probably what happened and that's what, what has been concluded about the, the events. And so several, of the, several witnesses saw parts of this because they were out and about or just in an apartment nearby. That's why I was saying you might have heard the shots yeah. from where you lived because you did live so close. It's just that main street with the transit doesn't have a crosswalk right there. Yep. But essentially you were like, Dennis crosses right where your, your apartment building was. Yeah. Like that, I looked it up on a map. <laughs> no, I, I know exactly where, where that is. That's, that's very close to where I used to live for yeah. sure. I mean, that's... That is absolutely crazy. It's absolutely insane. Man. So after the gunshots, someone actually did call the police to report what was going on. But by the time the officers arrived on the scene, all the suspects had already fled. First responders, unfortunately, declared both Shantae and Willie dead at the scene. And following the murder, the medical examiner determined that Shantae died from a gunshot and Willie died from stab wounds. Shantae also had stab wounds as well. 
After being victimized by her attackers, Shantae was once again victimized by the police and the media, who insisted on using her dead name and incorrect pronouns to announce the murder investigation. And some news stations, including ABC 13 News, which is actually one of my favorites around here, so I'm really disappointed in them, continued to use the wrong name even after they were corrected. That's not cool. Yeah, it's really not. And it's so disrespectful. It, I want to point out that this was in 2016, which is six years ago. It's real. It's not. It's not ever something that is as great or I'm, that I'm comfortable with or that is okay. But it's not like it was a long time ago when people were still confused about what was going on. Yeah, which and like should have been way better by then. About yeah, this. exactly. And it, and like like Montrose is literally right next to Midtown. Like this is. This is still, like, about a a mile and a half away from where we are now. Like, we literally could walk to the side of this. It's it's actually less than a mile and a half because, again, I mapped it. And, like, this whole neighborhood is the center of, like, a lot of LGBTQ plus rights in this whole, in the city. And, like, all, yeah, basically. It's a very progressive area. Yeah, so it's very confusing to me that they insisted upon continuing to use the wrong names and pronouns. Absolutely it is. And at least, it's just crazy to me. I'm not telling you the dead name. I mean, you can find it. It's very obvious. Like, it's very easy to find because of the fact that, I mean, it's in, like, all of our sources, essentially. Because even the court documents, they ended up just stating, like, they don't even refer to her as being transgender in some of the documents, just as being a man, which is not accurate. That is fucked up. And it's like, why can't you just be respectful? This person's life was stolen, and I don't really care about your personal feelings about it. I don't understand why you can't be respectful. I agree. Anyway, so that was also happening as this was as this was going on. And I also want to note something else. This is also partly why I wanted to like dwell on this, because I know that some people think of this as being political, but it's not just political. This is a, a true crime issue. Because there's a widespread epidemic of crimes committed against transgender persons, especially transgender, especially transgender persons of color, which Shantae was. And when you, when you don't acknowledge that this person is transgender and that that contributed or could have contributed to why they, they were murdered, then you're hiding those statistics. And it, you're hiding the fact that there is this problem that needs to be addressed and that we need to fix and that we need to figure out what's what we can do as a society to reduce these numbers. Absolutely. And, and you're not, not telling the whole story either. Exactly. You know? You're not telling this whole story. So in addition to just being disrespectful, there's also this aspect of how are we tracking crime statistics? What are we doing about people being targeted? You know, is when is it a hate crime? When is it not a hate crime? This kind of stuff. And that needs to be discussed and can't be discussed if you're hiding the identity of your victims. Absolutely. And just to clarify, I did try to look up some data for this. And in March 2021, the UCLA School of Law Williams Institute released some data that said that transgender persons or are four times as likely to be victims of violent crime than cisgender persons. So we can see that there's a, a lot different there. Yeah. So it's important that we acknowledge like the identity of the people who are being victimized so that we can hopefully try to make things better. Absolutely. Based on their investigation, authorities arrested Tariq Lockings for this crime on April 20th, which was 10 days after the murders. And at that time, the Houston police released a statement announcing his arrest and asking for tips leading to the rest of the suspects. 
Everybody knows that true crime can be a real buzz killer. So why not pair it with a nice glass of wine? Join us, Macy and Nicole, the hosts of Buzzkillers, a true crime podcast, as we drink our way through new bottles of wine every week while navigating true crime cases, conspiracy theories, and even some spooky haunts. The deep dives are kept light with banter and personal tales, and even the occasional boozy hiccup. Listeners are encouraged to grab a drink of any kind and tune in every Sunday as we tell the tales of the wicked that plague this world. Buzzkillers can be streamed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and anywhere else you like to listen. Check out our website, www.buzzkillerspodcast.com, for more information. If you recall, they estimated the group size to be about eight individuals, so that would mean there should be around seven more suspects. The district attorney's office charged Lackings with two counts of capital murder and the deaths of Shantae and Willie. However, the district attorney decided not to charge him with a hate crime. And they made this decision because they didn't want to have to prove that Lockings targeted Shantae because she was transgender. And in this case, it is possible that that wasn't part of it just because there was a transgender woman amongst the attackers. And so it's connected to her, the fact that she had these conflicts with these people that she seems to have been connected with because of her identity, but they weren't like hating on her possibly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Essentially. So at first I was mad that they didn't seek it, but I kind of get it because they were trying to walk through the fact that you have to prove it without a reasonable doubt to get the hate crime enhancement. And then they just didn't think that they were going to be able to do that. If convicted at trial though, Lackings faced life in prison. A few days after the police arrested Lackings, a witness came forward and identified themselves as one of the people on the scene that night. And this woman was named Serenity Colquitt, and she also happens to be a transgender woman. She came forward with the help of Quanell X, who was an activist in the Houston area. Quanell is actually a bit controversial because he means well, and he does a lot of good, but he also represents obvious wrongdoers at times and also he loses his temper but he he's like easily baited into losing his temper and then he yells yeah he yells like whatever comes to his mind (laughs) and sometimes it's productive and sometimes it's not and like there's a couple of people in this city that seem to have his his number to like which buttons to push and sometimes he accidentally i think hurts him his calls a little bit with that and it's, it's hard to watch because, like, I want to root for Quanell so much, but he will be like, grr. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, he came forward to help uh, bring this person to the police. Serenity Colquitt claimed that she witnessed the crime but did not participate in it. And she wasn't the only person who would give accounts of the crime to police because they did find more witnesses. Leading up to the trial, the prosecution decided to focus primarily on Shantae's death because they thought that they could more easily prove her case. So they actually dropped the charges connected to Willie Sims's murder and just changed the capital murder charge to murder by itself. Wow. Yeah. So instead of having, because it was instead of them having killed both of them at the same time, it was just the one. Lackings went on trial in August 2018, a little over two years after the murders. 
Witnesses who were part of the street brawl that night testified that Lackings was the one who killed Shantae and Willie. One of those witnesses, though, was Ricky Jackson, who told the jury that Lackings shot Shantae. However, the defense alleged that Jackson was the one who stabbed Shantae and Willie, and they pointed to those text messages that I alluded to earlier. Because in those text messages, you can tell that, that both Lackings and Jackson are planning to go confront them, but Jackson was the one who was saying that he was going to bring a knife and that he wanted to cut someone. And so the prosecution is, is, is trying to point to those messages as showing that Jackson and Lackings were both planning to attack them and to, you know, to basically to kill. But the defense argues that they show that it was probably Jackson who was the aggressor. So it's hard to tell because you could also then argue that he had the knife and Lackings had the gun. It can go either way. But if he did have the knife, that would mean he's probably the one who killed Willie. Yeah. Now, this actually got a little more complicated because I'm going to step back from the trial for a moment and tell you a little secret about Ricky Jackson. Because in addition to the other crimes that he was accused of, he actually pulled a knife on someone else a year later. Oh, wow. Yeah, a year after the trial. And this, this happened on Austin 6th Street, which for those of you who don't know, 6th Street is basically an area with a bunch of bars and restaurants, basically like a slightly better Midtown. I'm just going to be honest. I love Midtown, but like Austin sixth street is super famous. There's live music at a lot of these places. It's a, it's a destination. Like if you're going to go there, you it's best to Uber and just have them drop you off somewhere in the vicinity because you are not getting onto the street. Yeah. I mean, you will, but you'll be parked. You'll be in the car the whole night. It'll be a nightmare. You're never getting out. (laughs) Yeah. It'll be a nightmare. Because traffic is not going to move. It's just not happening. All right. So in this incident, he threatened to kill the victim and also swung the knife back and forth. So this was a year after this trial. Make of that what you will. Obviously it's not evidence in the murder case, but it does definitely look suspicious. Yes, it does. The lawyer for the defense, for lackings, was named Paul Morgan, and he claimed that all the witnesses were lying to hide their own bad acts. <laughs> for your 100th episode, I got it in there. Their bad acts on the day of the incident, and he especially argued that Jackson's messages you know, showed that he probably had that knife and he was all stabby. Morgan also argued that the prosecution didn't have enough evidence to prove lackings did it. But at the end of the trial, Lacking's jury deliberated for seven hours spread over two days. And during their deliberations, they sent four notes to the judge asking to rehear testimony and reexamine evidence from the trial. Time ticked on, but there was no word of a verdict. Then, on August 30th, 2018, Lacking's trial took a surprise turn when jurors told the judge that they were deadlocked 10 to 2. Fearing a hung jury, the prosecution and defense met to discuss a possible plea deal. District Judge Reagan Clark accepted Lackings' guilty plea and sentenced him to 12 years in prison for killing Shantae. He'll have to serve only six years before he becomes eligible for parole, which means that he could probably be eligible for parole now in 2022. Yeah. At the sentencing, Shantae's friend Patrick Riggins gave a very heartfelt victim impact statement. Riggins said, quote, I lost a friend, someone I truly loved, and someone who loved me. In spite of the sentence, only God knows what happened, and you will see God. That's where the real punishment will come from, unquote. 
Burn. Yeah, legit. There is also a second surprise because after the plea, the jury revealed that they had actually voted 10 for acquittal and two for guilty. And so Lackings tried to withdraw his plea because he was like, wait, I thought that they thought I was guilty. Yeah. I had an oopsie. But the judge denied his request. And the defense lawyer actually also told, basically told the media that he thought he made the right decision. Because if they started over and the prosecution went after him again, he would still be facing life in prison. And there's no telling what the second jury would do. And if they could, you know, find any other way to, like, you know, clarify their arguments, essentially. So he probably, I mean, he got 12 years for a freaking, for this. Considering that they viciously beat two individuals and then shot and stabbed them to death. Yeah, that's not nearly enough time. Yeah, 12 years is ridiculous. And they had, they literally organized a group of eight people to co- travel to their neighborhood yep. and confront them on the street and then assault them and murder them. That's fucking terrible. Yeah, it's completely awful. It, yeah, it's, and it's definitely something that's worth more than 12 years. Yep. And I get where they're going with, with like, oh, well, there was a whole mob. Maybe someone else did it. But I feel like when everyone's saying that it was this guy and if the police are able to track down, like, who has what weapon, it does sound like this Jackson guy should have been arrested and probably... Because the text messages with him saying he's going to cut someone, that seems like, I don't know. I feel like that's enough to at least argue a case. That's my opinion. Because we have people that are cut. Yeah. And he's at the scene. So I have a hard time believing that, you know, there's not enough to to argue that he was possibly, at least one of the attackers, if not the one that did the knife. But regardless, that's not, that's actually not what ends up happening. So... Lackings did go to jail, and after the murders, friends, family, activists, and allies commemorated both Shantae and Willie in a vigil in downtown Houston. And unfortunately, I could not find as much information as I would like about either Shantae or Willie. I tried to find them in various places on the web, but even on Facebook, first of all, there's a ton of Willie Simses. That is a very popular name, and I know... A lot. I did a lot of creeping on Willie Simms's. I'm just going to be honest. <laughs> um, Shantae was a, like, there was a fewer of those. But I ended up actually just trying to find obituaries. I couldn't find one for Willie. And I did find one for Shantae under her dead name. But it didn't really have anything good on it. It was mostly just like the family talking about how much they loved her, but using the wrong pronouns. And also, I found out that Shantae was one month away from her birthday, which... I know it sucks, but I don't know that it's like a personality trait. One thing that I do want to point out, though, is you probably caught this in the story, but when this all started, Willie Sims tried to heroically save Shantae. You know, she was shot at, and Willie could have just run or whatever and been and tried to go get help or something, because that's a, that's a good excuse to run. Yeah. But instead, Willie tried to save Shantae. And I think that that's important that we remember that. Because I think it shows that he was a really great person that really cared about his friends or possibly a person he was interested in. And that he's willing to risk his own life to help other people. And I think that that's probably how he should be remembered. And the story is that he did something and he tried to make a difference. And it didn't work out because he was murdered. But still, like, he was a good one. Yes, he was. Basically. Yeah. And although Tariq Lackings' arrest is partial justice, uh, I have a question. What about the other seven people 
who participated in the attack. Yeah, for real. Like, did you just get nothing? Not that I could find. And that was very upsetting to me because what the fuck? Yeah, legit. I mean, if nothing else, like, how do you, like, even if you couldn't stop, you couldn't physically pull people off of them, you can't call the police yep. or something. Like, there's, you're just, even if you just stood there, you're still a part of it. And what's weird to me, and this is one of the things that I feel like I have, my personal feelings are, and you can turn it off if you want to, my personal feelings are is that there has been some political motivations on the part of some of the investigators and whatnot that they don't care as much about getting everybody because of the fact that there's a transgender person involved. And that's gross for obvious reasons. But mm-hmm. also, this is Texas. And I don't know if you've met Texas, but we are a little bit cray-cray <laughs> when it comes to the justice system. We have a lot of problems with it. But one of the things that Texas is known for and that everyone knows this is that we are a little crazy with charging people with stuff and wanting to put people in prison slash death row. And so what's confusing to me is it's still capital murder for all of them, right? And, like, my question is, even if there were people who weren't doing the murder, if you're present at the murder and you're not actively trying to stop that murder, in this case, since they all went together to confront them, every single person in that group knew that they were going to confront them because... That's what they were doing. Yep. So how are you not being prosecuted for anything? Because even if only one person did the shooting, there are literally people in the state of Texas. I'm not pro this, to be clear. But there are people in the state of Texas who've been executed for, like, just being in the car when somebody was robbed or when somebody they were the getaway driver. And sometimes they don't even really know the full extent of the crime. And then they were just like, oh, we're just going to go, you know, run out with a TV. Someone gets shot, and now they're on death row. And they didn't even do any of it. Yeah. I don't agree with that, but it it does happen. So I don't understand how someone's involved in this where somebody's brutally murdered and there's just, there's just like this focus on just this one person. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. Like when you said that they like didn't go after the capital murder, I was confused because I was like, that sounds like exactly what that is. Yeah. You know, because like all, all, like you said, all these people are there. They're, they're all part of this. Mm hmm. So also, question who killed willie sims at the conclusion of the trial that happened in 2018 for shantae's murder they were just like and willie sims's case is considered unsolved and i'm like what the fuck yeah and to be fair if if Tariq lackens had the gun chances are he wasn't the murderer of willie sims because willie sims was stabbed to death Yep. i mean yes the there he was also injured in that gun first gunshot but he his actual cause of death was stabbing so he probably wasn't the actual murderer, although to be fair, again, it should still be capital murder, murder. But like he was, he probably wasn't the one that stabbed him to death. So what happened there? And I was like, maybe after they finished the first trial, maybe they went and like looked into this. And so I tried to find out what happened with Willie. And there's another William Sims that was also murdered in Houston. Yeah. Wow. That is not the same Willie Sims. And there's been movement in his murder. And in that case, I don't know all the full details because that was not the focus of my research. But he was a jazz musician who was performing at a bar. And three white guys robbed him. And it's it's meaningful because he was a black musician that was robbed by three white guys. Three, Also, they targeted him because he was a black man. And so they have a hate crime situation happening. And they robbed him and murdered him. That is fucked up. Yeah, and this wasn't even that long ago. But that happened after the, the original Willie Sims murder. And that Willie did not go by Willie. He went by William. 
But still, I was like, that's weird and freaky because that also happened in the Houston area. But I'm just like, are we just going to ignore that this happened? Like, he literally was a whole murder. Yeah. And like, his, does nobody care? Yeah, he matters too. Yeah, I care. I, I do So, too. I want to know who killed Willie Sims. Like, I mean, I'm pretty sure I know who killed him. Probably the knife guy. Yeah. But, <laughs> I mean, maybe someone should investigate that. Yeah. Like, I'm not qualified to do that. But, I mean, someone who is qualified, it would just be great. Yeah, I mean, Willie deserves justice, too. He really does. So, technically, that case is still unsolved. And I don't really know if I feel satisfied by this ending. But I wanted to tell you about Shantae and about Willie because they were here and now they're not. Yeah, and they mattered. And they mattered. And I'm sad about it. So, I hope that everyone took something from this. And I know that not everyone is on the same page as we are about, like social justice issues and that's fine like we're not trying to like bark at you even though that one person that loves greg abbott thinks we are (laughs) but we do wish that you would be more open-minded a little bit about some of this because i mean these are people out here it's a person who's just trying to live their life and you don't have to necessarily agree with it i mean it's fine they probably don't like all the stuff you do but that doesn't mean they should be a dick to you about it yep so we should just be more respectful of each other and also, make sure we keep the proper statistics so we can figure out what's happening with crimes and try to stop that. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you for listening. It's been 100 episodes. Maybe we should have done something fun for our 100th episode and done, like, a silly case. But I didn't think about that until right now that I'm bummed. So, <laughs> <laughs> But to be fair, I'm, I'm like, very good at bugging myself out with these cases. All right. Well, thank you for listening. Please join us on all of our social medias at BadXPod. And eventually I will get back in the habit of posting all the time. Also, you can email us at BadXPod at gmail.com. You can visit our website, which Aaron loves to tell you about. BadXPod.com. Go check it out. It's a good website. There's a tree there. There's There's a a tree. Very cool tree. It is a very cool tree. It looks like a ghost lives in it. But it probably doesn't. But it looks like there might be one in there. That's what matters. That's right. Also, we have a Patreon with lots of other episodes. It's patreon.com backslash badxpod. There's a link in our show notes. It's pretty cool over there. We highly recommend it. Also, you can help support the show and our cats. We almost had to get a new microphone because our cats and knock... Well, not all of our cats. One very adorable kitten somehow managed to knock the microphone and the little foamy thing that goes around it into the floor... And almost broke it. But he's really cute. So um, he's been he was immediately forgiven, basically. <laughs> Literally, I was like, oh, no, kitty. And then he was like, meow. And then I petted him a bunch. So really, I don't know what kind of lessons that he learned from that. Probably do whatever I want. I still get petted. but Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, he was, he was a, he's very cute. So if you would like to support our cats and also insurance, I guess, for the equipment, please um, join our Patreon so that we can... Have, have your monies and you have episodes and we're best friends now. So I'm rambling. So thank you for listening again and we will see you very soon. Bye-bye. Bye.